Welcome to Coffee with the Queen, Episode 2. I'm Nicole. And I'm Cindy. And today we're going to discuss brewing methods. Contrary to what you may have heard, no one brew method is superior to another. Each brew method has a unique way of extracting flavor and texture from a coffee, and every coffee is going to taste a little bit different depending on how it's brewed. So in today's podcast, we're going to cover the brew methods most commonly used in the U.S., which are filtration, immersion, and pressure. Following this, we'll have two short bonus sections. Our first bonus section will cover our lessons learned on how to put together and create a great coffee gift for your coffee lover. We know this is early, but it is actually almost time to start thinking about the holidays. And as an FYI for all the coffee lovers out there who are interested in visiting our gift boutique, it will open on our website tomorrow. The second bonus section is going to be presented by Cindy, who will walk you through some of her delicious caramel-themed recipes. The first brew method we're covering is filtration brewing. Filtration brewing involves pouring hot water over freshly ground coffee beans that are perched above a capture vessel or a pot. Sounds fancy, but really what we're talking about is a drip brewer or a pour-over brewer. Those of you unfamiliar with these terms, the drip brewer is your standard coffee machine when you see in many American kitchens. I think 72% of American kitchens have what we call a standard drip brewer. It has a base, a filter, the top where you put your coffee grounds, a section for water, and then your coffee brews into a pot that's resting on usually a heated platform. You know, many fancy coffee drinkers put down the drip brewer, but I myself use one in the morning because of its convenience. No, we, I mean, I still use a drip brewer too. There are many good drip brewers. And I would say as drinkers have become more sophisticated, coffee machine makers are responding to that and making more sophisticated drip brewers. So they have um, ways to adjust the temperature, to adjust the extraction. Coffee machines are getting more complicated to try to make your life easier, basically. And for those people that are really into the whole bean to cup movement, there are even brewers out there that grind your beans and then make them into a cup. Yeah. I've seen Cuisinart has one on the market. Well, I was just about to say, when you're talking about brewing coffee, the thing you want to really be mindful of is the temperature of the water that the coffee's brewing at. When you're looking even at an automatic drip machine, it should tell you the temperature range for brewing. You want to make sure the new fancy additions, like being able to grind and brew, that's great, but make sure that they have their grinding for the right brew, which they should be, and that you can change the grind. So a lot of those bean-to-cup machines, you should have the option of adjusting the grind to to your particular taste. So if you like your coffee a little stronger, you might want to use a finer grind. If you like your coffee a little weaker, you might want a coarser grind, and that you have the ability to adjust the temperature of the water. I like my coffee brewed around 195. Other people like their coffee a little bit bitter, so they'll go closer to 200 degrees Fahrenheit. There are a lot of great machines. Cuisine Art does have one. I think Cuisine Arts, you can do some manual adjustments on the temperature. I'm pretty sure that the one I but looked at could. If you're going to look for a drip machine that is a little bit more complex, make sure that you are able to adjust your grind setting and your water setting. Really good tip. And so that brings us to pour-over brewers. A pour-over brewer is very similar to a drip machine, except it's an entirely manual process. To brew a pour-over, you put your coffee grinds in the top filter, and then you manually pour your hot water over your grounds in a controlled circular motion. For those of you who aren't familiar with a pour-over brewer, this is one of the unique brew methods where the brew system name is more common than the brew method. Often you'll hear Chemex, Bee House, Kalita Wave, the Cleaver Dripper, or the Hyro. Those are all pour-over brew methods. Pour-overs and drip machines will produce really similar tasting coffees, but the coffees will exhibit very nuanced differences in flavor, texture, and cleanliness depending on the method used. 
one isn't necessarily better than the other, they're just different. With the drip machine, you tend to have a lighter mouthfeel, less pronounced upper notes, and those bright, crisp, almost dry notes that you taste at the end of a sip, which I like this, it's a very clean feeling. While a pour over brewer, because you're using a slower, more controlled fashion, they tend to be slightly richer, cleaner in mouthfeel, and produce really vibrant, flavorful upper notes if they brew properly. And this is the tricky part. Brewing a pour over is not rocket science. Anyone can do it, but it takes time and it takes practice because you need to get not only the ground to water ratio right, but the temperature right and the drip speed and the drip motion right. I know when I first started brewing with a pour over method, it probably took me about two weeks to get my perfect cup. If you're not into experimenting and devoting the time to creating a, a great pour over cup, but you like filtration coffee, I would go with the drip machine. Drip machine is very easy. You said it covers everything for you. Well, I would say that the pour over is worth it, though, because the cup is really richer. And once you get it down, you have it. You don't have to experiment anymore. It's like like a brain muscle memory. Once you figure out how to do it, you just do it right again and again and again. Yeah, it's true. Once you get it, you won't forget it. It's just your first cup probably is going to taste like it tastes when you go to a cafe and somebody brews it for you. I guess the main warning that we want to throw out there, you got to give it some time and some practice to make sure you have all your elements right. I was wondering, Nicole, if we could take a second to talk about using filters with your pour over or with your drip machine, because I know that there are different kinds of filters that you can use. And I also know that some of them can actually help you if you have cholesterol issues. Is that true? Yeah. So any of the the paper filters, there are many kinds of filters. There's a, a regular filter and then that you can buy a special gold insert filter that will extract some of the oils in coffee, but not all of them. So if you have no idea what we're talking about, coffee has uh, natural oils and these oils taste delicious. They create a really rich thick cup, but they do contain small amounts of bad cholesterol. When you use a paper filter, that filter will filter out all of the bad cholesterol. The gold filters and other filters you can buy, they do a good job, but they don't filter out as much of the bad cholesterol as the paper filters. Pretty much any paper filter will work. I like brown paper filters. The cheaper paper, like white paper filters, the thinner the filter, the more likely you're to get a paper or almost a woody taste in your coffee. The heavier and thicker the paper filter, less likely that's that's going to happen. I've also read that the, the white filters might actually be treated with something, whereas the brown filters are natural. It could be. It depends if it's bleached or unbleached. Like I always use a brown natural paper filter by Melita. It's my go-to filter. It's durable. It filters out the oils. It's never ripped on me. I don't get any fiber taste in my coffee. But it really depends on who's making the filter and what the filter is made of and how it was treated and processed. Next up is immersion brewing. An immersion brewer is any kind of brewer where coffee grounds are steeped in water for long periods of time. The most common type of immersion brewer is a French press. More recently, people have been using cold brew brewers, which is also an immersion brewer. Coffees brewed using an immersion brewer tend to be thick and creamy and tend to highlight the coffee's base notes. With immersion brewing, caffeine and flavors are extracted from the grounds while they soak in the water, creating a really heavy mouthfeel and rich texture. This rich texture is created by the coffee's natural oils, which are not filtered out during the brew process. They're steeped into the coffee. If somebody you know or if you yourself suffer from high cholesterol, you may want to be very mindful when using a hot brewed immersion brewer, such as a French press, because that bad cholesterol will be in that coffee. If you're using a cold brew, you don't need to worry so much because the 
oils extraction is heat activated. The cold brew, you just want to be aware that the caffeine levels are much higher because it's a much higher grounds to water ratio. So while any coffee can be brewed in an immersion brewer and taste fantastic, we found that heavier coffees with really strong base notes, such as Indonesian and South Africans, tend to brew really well in an immersion brewing system. I agree with that. French press is my afternoon go-to because it consistently produces a rich, full-bodied cup. And those are the particular types of coffees I use in the afternoon when I French press. Yeah, me too. It tastes nice at the, at the end of the day. And the one thing anyone brewing with a, an immersion system wants to be aware of is that even after you depress or sequester your grounds, your coffee's still brewing. So if you are brewing with a French press, you might think that once you depress the the plunger, you're done brewing. Not quite. You can drink the coffee, but those grounds are still steeping and still brewing and can easily get overextracted if you let the coffee sit for too long. So you could transfer your coffee into a carafe, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I would recommend if you were going to have kind of leisurely sip or, or have your coffee at a leisurely pace. Once it's finished brewing in the French press, I would move it into a thermal pot or a carafe to ensure that it's not going to continue brewing because if you let the coffee sit there for about 20 minutes you're just going to end up with something that tastes very bitter and almost dirt like and this brings us to our final brew method which is pressure brewing a pressure brewer is any brewer that uses intense pressure to push water through coffee grounds to create coffee the most common form of pressure brewer is an espresso machine though there are other equally wonderful forms of pressure brewing such as an air press stovetop espresso makers often referred to as the mocha pot which is the most common brand and vacuum brewers in brewing with an espresso machine or stovetop espresso maker water is rapidly forced through pack grounds to create a rich strong concentrated intense flavorful cup this rapid extraction creates a high concentration of flavor that cannot be achieved with a filtration or immersion brewer a less concentrated pressure brewer would be an AeroPress or a vacuum brewer. The AeroPress deeps coffee grounds in a conical filter that's above a mug um, and then extracts the coffee using a hand press. Unless you're incredibly strong, not me, your hand press is generally not going to get the same type of pressure. So this lighter, gentler extraction creates a lighter, smoother, less concentrated coffee compared to what you achieve with an espresso machine or stovetop espresso maker. And finally, we have the vacuum brewer. It's also known as a siphon. The mechanics of a vacuum brewer work very similar to a stovetop espresso maker, but you have a different grounds to water ratio, and there's less direct exposure or close exposure of the water to the grounds, which creates a gentler, less intense, more balanced, nuanced aromatic cup than you could achieve with an espresso machine or a stovetop espresso maker. It is worth mentioning that the AeroPress is not only quick and easy to use and get a great cup, but it's also travel friendly and really economical. Yes, generally they're under $30. You can use filters, not use filters. You can brew anywhere as long as you have hot water in your coffee grounds. They're a great little brewer. I don't know about you, but I've had AeroPresses that have traveled with me from country to country when I've been uncertain if I can get good coffee on my travels and they've worked Perfectly. I think everybody should have an AeroPress. While any coffee can be brewed in a pressure brewer, again, we would recommend using a medium dark to a dark roast. I personally would recommend using a dark roast with just a touch of citrus at the end to lift the coffee. So often, you may not know this, but with espresso blends and any kind of blend that you'd use in a stovetop espresso maker, they do close with a nice little touch of citrus to bring the coffee up. If you use a very heavy coffee, such as a Sumatran and an espresso, machine or any kind of pressure brewer, you may end up with a cup 
that feels very heavy and it's going to have more bitterness because it doesn't have that final lift. If you like that, then go for it 100%. I, is that I personally like to use medium, medium, medium dark to dark roast with a nice bright close when I'm using a pressure brewer. And that wraps up our brew method portion of this podcast. Hopefully it helped clarify some differences between different brew methods and how different brew methods can impact the taste and texture of your coffee. By the specific brewing systems mentioned, we had drip, pour over, French press, cold brew, espresso, aeropress, and vacuum are the most commonly used in the U.S. There are many other wonderful brew methods out there that we suggest you go try, including ebrick, which is Turkish coffee. Some people love their percolator. Lots of things. All worth trying. I still love my percolator. Yeah, everyone has, every brew method has its own positives and will bring out something different in the coffee. So I think if you really love coffee, it's in your best interest to go out and try as many coffees as you can, brewed as many different ways as you can. And if you're interested in learning more about the interplay between coffee and brew method, actually I would suggest brewing the same coffee using different brew methods and comparing them. It's the easiest way to get a direct comparison and to understand how a coffee brewed in a French press will taste different than a coffee brewed in a pour over or on the stovetop. For more detailed information on these brew methods and how to brew, please visit our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com, or you can visit our podcast page. We'll have notes up there. That's coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com. So now it's time to talk about gifts. We know you know how to purchase a great gift. So we're not here to tell you how to purchase a great gift. We're really here to share our lessons learned on how to put together a great coffee gift. When we first started putting together our baskets some years ago, you know, I was almost embarrassed by the things I forgot to ask being in the coffee business for this section of the podcast. We're going to share some of the key things we would advise you to look for or ask before you start purchasing a coffee gift for a coffee lover. So first off, you want to find out if your gifty has a grinder and a brewer, and if so, which kind of brew method they use, and if they have a grinder, which kind of grinder they use. If you don't know and you can't find out, I would say always go with ground coffee drip for brew machine. As we said before, the drip machine is the most common machine in the U.S. And drip ground coffee can be used in a pour over brewer. So it's versatile. It's a really good shot that your gifty will actually be able to use the coffee. If you're opposed to giving ground coffee, consider purchasing a grinder as part of the gift. The worst thing that can happen, and I've done this, is sending someone coffee that's the whole bean and then realizing they don't have a grinder. Often they won't tell you. Or um, they have to go out and try to find someone who will grind the coffee for them. And it just kind of ruins. I couldn't even imagine, Nicole. What a bummer. What a bummer. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. I I gave someone, actually two years ago, I didn't follow my rules on this. I gave somebody some whole bean coffee. She didn't mention anything, but I was like, that's right. Maybe she didn't like it. Hey, would you like to try a different coffee? And she got red and she said, I don't have a grinder. And we live in the country. She's like, and I didn't know what to do, so I still have it. And I felt I felt like an idiot for not asking. What a bummer. You get this package and it smells like the best thing you've ever smelt in your life. You open it up. You get so excited. And then you go, oh, my God, it's whole bean. Yeah, no, I think that's what she said because she was really excited when I gave it to her, which is why I was surprised she didn't say it. And I was like, oh, she must have really hated it. And then she was embarrassed and I was embarrassed. We all make this mistake, but hopefully you won't if you're going to buy a coffee gift this coming holiday season. Yeah, I advise if you don't know if they have a grinder. I mean, personally, I would get whole bean and an inexpensive grinder. At least then they can grind it themselves. That's what I was going to say. So if you're going to get whole bean, most people do prefer to, to get whole bean and a grinder. You can get a blade grinder, but if you get a blade grinder, I would also recommend getting them a French press. Blade grinders are great. They're not that expensive. They're very durable. 
but they're not incredibly accurate. So you can grind to a coarser or to a finer level, but the individual grinds may not be the same size, which will create an extraction issue if you're trying to brew in a pour over. Will not make any difference if you're trying to brew in a French press. Well, what a great gift anyway. A French press, yeah. a pound of coffee, and a grinder. Oh my God. Perfect. Yeah, no, it would be great. It's also if you if someone prefers cold brew, blade grinders are also great. You don't need precision in the grind to get a good cold brew. You just you need coarse grounds. If you're looking for a more sophisticated grinder that would be able to grind from an espresso, a very fine espresso, up to a French press, you'd probably want to go with a burr grinder. Burr grinders are incredible incredibly precise, have multiple settings, and are very durable, but they do cost a little bit more money. Once you've decided on whole bean or ground, and whether or not you're getting a grinder, the next great challenge is finding the right coffee for your giftie. If you don't know anything about your giftie's drinking habits, we recommend purchasing a gift certificate or coffee sampler. Coffee has, I think, over 150 flavor notes and tones, so there's a wide range of coffees. And you just never know when you when you pick one. Like I, you know, Cindy and I even have very different coffee tastes. So I might have a coffee that I absolutely love and I send it to her and she's like, oh, I don't like this that much. And I think one of your favorites is, is one that I bake with. I don't like to drink it. So Well, absolutely. Um, I mean, everybody's got such distinct tastes. As you know, I even like to use an espresso mix in a drip machine. I like those notes in my coffee. Yeah, and I prefer more of a medium roast where I could have breakfast lunch, which I think, you know, is a little bit too late for you. So basically everyone has their own, we have our own food preferences. Everyone has their own coffee preference. And if you don't know what that preference is, it can be very difficult to just blindly grab a pound of coffee, even one that you think is fantastic. So in that case, we'd recommend going with a gift certificate or a coffee sampler, which generally has a, a wide range of coffees from different countries, with different rows, and your giftie should be able to find something they really love. If you want to get a little bit more technical and you happen to know your gifties food or wine preferences, you actually can probably zone in on the different genres of coffee that they're likely to prefer. As we said, uh, people with different palates tend to like certain similarities across food, wine, and even coffee. So if someone really loves rich, spicy food, they're probably going to like a rich, spicy coffee like an Indonesian. While those who prefer lighter, brighter foods are probably going to enjoy a lighter bodied medium roast. It's similar for chocolate lovers also, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, very similar. And tea, and there's lots of ways to kind of have this crossover comparison. So if you're looking for more information on how to identify someone's coffee preferences based on their food and wine preferences, we actually do have a blog about this, which again, on coffeewithclean.com. And I'll walk through some of the most common foods that people enjoy and what would be, from our perspective, a coffee that would match that type of food or that spice preference, the mouth texture preference. It's a great resource. So once you have all of your information, the next step is putting together the right package for your gifty. If your gifty is a very adventurous coffee drinker, again, I would go with something like a coffee sampler or a subscription that allows them to try a range of coffees from you know, different countries, different roasts, different blends, but it can be really exciting. It can be kind of like this little taste journey that they take throughout the world. For outdoor enthusiasts and road trip lovers, there are actually a host of portable brewers that may be worth considering, such as the AeroPress, as Cindy mentioned, the French Press Travel Mug, or brewers that actually allow you to brew coffee in your car, either a USB or the um, lighter port. I really want to try that. I think that's really cool. Maybe that's my inner scientist. No, I've always wondered. I mean, I didn't learn about these until after 
I moved to a city where I don't have a car. Had I known about this when I lived in LA, I absolutely would have had one in my car, without a doubt. It's even if you're in like LA, you can be in your car very easily for an hour, hour and a half. And if you start to get sleepy, it's great to know that you can just brew a cup on the road, like just pull over, brew a cup and keep going. That's fantastic for LA traffic jams. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I'd love to have coffee with me wherever I go. The idea that I can have coffee at any time always makes me happy. So if you're purchasing coffee for someone at the start of their coffee love affair, we recommend going for the full package. So a grinder, a brewer, and some coffee. This way you can ensure that they have fresh coffee that is ground for the proper brew method, because that does make a big difference, as I mentioned before, and how a coffee will taste. Finally, if you are looking to kind of convey an experience, we would go with the basket. Every coffee company has their own interpretation of a coffee basket. In our Queen Bean and Mills, we believe that a basket is really about the experience. So it should look pretty. It should make someone happy when they see it. And then there should be a combination of coffee and treats inside that really complement each other. So coffee will taste very different depending on what you're eating it with. When we put together a basket, and I would think that when other people put together baskets, they're also mindful of this, you want to be sure that you're pairing the proper sweets with the coffees that are included in the basket. So when someone eats it, they're getting nice complimentary soothing taste. I know that I'm biased, but what I really think is special about queen bean baskets is that we work so closely with our customers to put together a basket that's really going to suit the giftee. We try to give a memorable experience. We try to get as much information about the giftee from the gifter before we start putting the basket together to make sure, you know, they're going to enjoy it because we don't want to create a gift for someone that they're not going to like. The worst thing for us would be for one of our customers to give a gift to someone and then be like, you know, this doesn't taste good together or doesn't look pretty. That would ruin it for us, which obviously is not as bad as ruining it for the giftee. Yes, I would agree with you, Cindy. I'm also biased, but I would definitely agree with you. As one final word of advice, before paying for your coffee gift, look at the packaging. Coffee stales very quickly when it's exposed to air. So if you're going to be storing your coffee for more than a few days, be sure that your coffee is stored in a valve-sealed bag. Tintai bags look great, but they let in significant amounts of air and can stale within two weeks, whereas a freshly roasted coffee packed in an airtight valve-sealed bag could last up for six months. If you decide to go with the Tintai bag, be sure to store the coffee in a dry place and preferably in some kind of container that's airtight to ensure that no moisture and nowhere can reach the beans or the grounds. Um, and with that, thanks for bearing with me on this. And I'm now going to pass the rest of this podcast over to Cindy. While many folks flock towards their pumpkin spice favorites when the temperatures begin to dip, my ultimate favorite fall flavor is caramel. And when you add salt to caramel, the flavor profile ascends to an entirely new level. So with that in mind, and in continued celebration of the autumn season, I am featuring two salted caramel recipes today. The first is my salted caramel mocha, and the second is my salted caramel kiss martini. What they both have in common is a quick and easy homemade salted caramel sauce. Now don't get me wrong, If you have a favorite pre-made caramel sauce, you can feel free to use it. But if you happen to have a spare 15 minutes, please, please try out the recipe that's listed on our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com. I guarantee that you will love it and it will add just that extra dimension to your recipe. So getting back to our featured drinks, the salted caramel mocha combines the classic mocha flavors with that caramel sauce. It is super easy to make, as you combine all the ingredients together in a saucepan. All you have to do is heat it and froth it. You can use an immersion blender or a whisk 
and then bam, you're done. And what's more, you can go to town decorating this drink. Think whipped cream and oozing caramel sauce. This is a perfect after-dinner dessert coffee that will leave your guests both impressed and satisfied. Speaking of presentation, the salted caramel kiss martini gets extra stars for presentation. The rim of the glass is gently coated with that salted caramel sauce. As for the martini itself, I have one tried and true rule when making an espresso martini. It's proportion, proportion, proportion. You should always have equal or slightly more liquor in your shaker than the amount of coffee. This recipe uses vodka, chocolate liqueur, and chilled espresso. All you need to do is fill your shaker halfway with ice, combine the ingredients, shake, 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 and there you have it, a perfect espresso martini. These recipes and other autumn favorites are available on our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com, and we encourage you to try them out, and we would love, love, love to hear any and all feedback. And with that, back to you, Nicole. Thanks, Cindy. You make me want to go get a salted caramel espresso martini right now, but I can't quite yet. Maybe later. Thank you guys for joining us for our second episode of Coffee with the Queen. We hope you enjoyed it. And to learn more about our coffee, please visit our website, thequeenbean.com, or our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com. If you've made it this far, you should also reward yourself with 20% off coffee. If it's your first order at thequeenbean.com, please use code QUEENPOD. That's Q-U-E-E-N-P-O-D. And if you like this podcast, please let us know by giving us five stars on iTunes. We'd also love to hear any feedback that you have and any suggestions for topics or things that you'd really like discussed or would like to learn more about. You can either leave comments on iTunes, on our podcast page, or you can email us at info at thequeenbean.com. As always, all blog entries and notes relevant to what we discussed today will be available on the blog and our podcast site. Thank you again and see you next month. See you next month, guys.